I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. Jack is a fucking hero. Welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister Jenny, born in 1974. Today we continue our look at Walnut Grove with Little House on the Prairie, Season 3, Episode 4, Little Girl Lost. Jen? The description reads... Frustrated that Carrie has insisted on tagging along for a school assignment, Mary and Laura fail to keep a close eye on her. They live to regret this when the little girl wanders off and falls into an underground mine shaft. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, Jen, what'd you think of this one? Um, I think season three's been way better. I liked it a lot. Yeah, like it's they've really amped things up in season three. It's very dramatic. I texted jenny about four minutes into the episode and i'm like wow this takes a dramatic turn (laughs) like so far i feel like in every episode someone's been crying or passed out unconscious in the first five minutes of of the episode (laughs) sometimes in the middle of the street (laughs) sometimes not all right i just want to just give a quick technical note here i'm in the middle of redoing my office because in the year of 2020, it's really like the only reason I'm getting out of bed in the morning. <laughs> so I'm redoing my office. And I, I'm working from home in here and doing a lot of stuff. So right now, I have everything off the walls. So it's slightly echoey. I promise that will be fixed very soon. I'm sure it's annoying and it's annoying for me. And when I'm editing, I'm trying to fix it. But I'm just not that sophisticated of an editor. <laughs> Maybe I should do redo my office slash living room slash gym slash kitchen. Yeah, you should. That's 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 a great idea, Jen. <laughs> redo like a hundred square feet of your house, so like a third of it. Yeah. No, my house is bigger <laughs> than that. Not much bigger. <laughs> a little bigger than that. Okay, so let's get into the episode. We open on a super zoom of a butterfly. Thanks, director Michael Landon. Did you get oh, this yeah. beginning? Michael Landon's directing this, and it's a new writer, Paul W. Cooper. Okay, they Paul W. Be, Cooper needs to be dragged behind a wagon in the middle of the street. They seem to blog. be burning through writers. <laughs> and Michael Landon's always the director, so that's telling me something. Paul W. Cooper, like, I don't know, got his writing credits 
out of Bazooka Joe wrappers or something, because I don't know what the hell's going on here. Okay. In school, Miss Beetle introduces us, Jen, to the study of entomology, and Mary thinks this is the study of the earth. Right. She thinks it's, <laughs> did she think it was geology? She thought it was geology. She thought children were hatched in eggs. Yeah, she's, she's, she's not good in science. She studies a lot, but knows nothing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Miss Beetle wants them to start looking for insects. And then, to my chagrin, she launches into a passionate defense of bees. <laughs> Did you get she this? really does. And, and they're asking all kinds of super, like, really basic questions. And then I realized, like, this is a time when people had to learn shit from school. Like, that's right. how you, they didn't even have a lot of books, really. Like, well, they had to learn stuff from school. I have a note on that. First, let me finish my bee rant here. Okay. She attributes motive to the bees. Like, oh, they're attacking you because they're trying to do this. And I'm like, bees don't need a motive to come at me. They're trying to protect the queen. That is that is an instinct, not a motive. They just come at me. Okay, whatever. How am I hurting their queen on my front porch? She, there was a specific thing that I think Willie was talking about. <laughs> Willie in the house. Young in the bunghole, everybody. Oh, my God. And he's a natural comic. He is, and she sent him to the corner for that. He doesn't even know he's being funny. That's the that's why it's so ingenious. Beetle introduces them to pollination, and I wrote, Jane, to your point, no one is writing any of this shit down, even though it's all new material and it's all new vocabulary. Yeah, no one's writing a thing down. And it's like complex. Like she gets into the parts of the grasshopper. And like I remember, you know, we had crazy books that we would be like there'd be diagrams and pictures and like you could read from them. And we had encyclopedias and it was still hard to learn all this stuff. And they have n- none of that. Right. And they're not even writing it down on their little yep. slates. Nothing. So I mean, down asleep. What's that gonna So do? let's well actually there's an educational theory behind that. When you write things down, you remember them. No, 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 I know, and that's why I write copious notes all the time for everything. Oh, but notes, I guess whatever. like you just write it on the slate and then it disappears. You can never go back to it. So when I call you and I'm rambling on about something, are you taking copious notes? No, because I don't care about that. <laughs> so wait, let's talk about they live in a world where they're knowledge of the world is completely dependent on their memory more or less yeah i would be fucked <laughs> you would be although i think people then just had less me- like vi- like mental stimulus like maybe they were more focused they must maybe. have been maybe like we're just so bombarded with information now it's like we could never keep all of it in our head did I tell you the other day that I felt something on my head and I went like this? Guys, you can't see me, but I'm like brushing my little bit of hair that I have. I went like this and I pulled out a spider. Oh my God. <laughs> Gross. Like, what is happening to me? God. 2020. Okay. And then I wrote Miss Beetle also unjustly punishes Willie. That is yeah. not necessary. Because she thinks he's being an asshole, but he's just like naturally funny. Like he doesn't even have to try. The dude is telling. A story about his trauma, how he went to the outhouse in the middle of the day and was stung by a bee. But it's all his brilliant delivery. She said <laughs> something know. about their their behind or something. Yeah, and he goes, "That's where the bee stung <laughs> me in the outhouse." <laughs> okay, so this may have been a funny light part. Get ready for this shit to turn know, dark real fast. Turns. It just takes a turn. There is no transition. Nope. There is no. It, it's just. 
Boom. Turn on dime. Okay, here we go. At Hanson's, some drifter wanders in and begs Hanson for a job. His name is Mr. Loudy. I just have, who's the scrub? <laughs> I call him a drunk drifter the entire time. Mr. Loudy is his name. I'm going to go back and forth between drifter and Loudy, but that's what I'm talking about. He swears he has changed and that he has sobered up. So clearly there's a backstory. We're here. dropped into the middle. This feels very bunny-ish. Like we're dropped into the middle of like something that has happened <laughs> that everyone seems to know except us. It's like a wolfman situation. <laughs> Hansen sends the guy packing. And also I would like to know this scene really triggered my husband, Timmy, because Charles is working that saw, that table saw, and With really no, almost cut his hand off. No safety guards. Yeah. We watched the scene twice. Timmy's like, he really almost cut his hand off. Which, I wonder if Michael Landon insisted, like, that that be real, and then he'd be all man- manly and try to do this on the set. I wonder. I mean, it has to be somewhat real, right? We see it with our eyes. cutting the wood. We see it with our eyes. Then again, 2020, even if we see it with our eyes, does it? Is it real? No. Nope. <laughs> So the drifter then assaults Hanson. <laughs> and it's revealed they know each other from 20 years ago. The dude grabs Hanson and I'm just going to verbatim this. It's because she married me, isn't it? Isn't it? And Hanson replies, no, it's because you killed her. Jen? Super dramatic. Like, okay, where did this come from? <laughs> Whoa. It gets better, okay? Now, this is the same guy who just said, I've changed. I'm sober. I want a job because I'm sober. The drifter dude shakes a bottle of alcohol in Hanson's face and gets his revenge by destroying his own sobriety. <laughs> well, he, I think he was drinking all along. He's just like, oh, something's never changed. It's like, I'll show you. I'm still a drunk. Like, what is, I don't understand this, this point, this, this I don't argument. know. I thought he was like. I'm five days sober, but now screw you. I'm going to oh. ruin that. Oh, I didn't realize he was only like five days. Jenny, he's spite, he's spite relapsing. <laughs> <laughs> this guy storms off. Hanson storms off. Everybody storms off. Everybody storms off. I'll go far for spite. I don't know if I'll sabotage my own sobriety for spite. Mm, whatever. I might. I might. So then I wrote. This was supposed to be an episode about entomology and butterflies. Well, and I saw Pa in the background watching this. I'm like, how's Pa going to fix this? Because you know he's going to try. So, of course, Charles has witnessed this. Jenny, if you saw your boss at, insert tech company name here, crying after this dramatic dramatic episode, would you approach them? Nope. No, 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 I just left. I just give them their space and time to get over whatever they had to get over. Read the room, Charles. <laughs> yeah, when you storm into a private place and close a door, that usually means you don't want to talk to anyone. After you've had a super vulnerable conversation in front of yeah. everybody. Yep. Yeah. Jen, Charles goes right in there and asks right Hanson if he's okay. And Hanson is crying. And here's the story we get. You ready? <clears throat> I'm This drifter used to work with the railroad as a construction engineer. Good money, good job. Then Hanson says she was beautiful. Charles apparently knows about this already. Charles knows this story. He's in Monaco Grove three years, so he didn't live there when this happened. So this is town lore, apparently. I mean, yeah. 
Charles says it was an accident and not the drifter's fault, but Hanson disagrees. He saved himself and his little girl, but he left her in the house to die. His Ellen. I don't know if that's supposed to mean anything to us. It's not a clear story. Hanson then remembers this incredible display of vulnerability is not appropriate in the workplace and reminds Charles to get back to work. <laughs> like, Charles just snaps back into it. Or Hanson just snaps out of it and is like, get back to work. It sounds like there's some kind of love triangle or that there was some kind of, like, this this chick left Hanson for this dude or something like that. There was, there was some kind of you love triangle. You didn't think it was his daughter? No. What? I no. thought it was Hanson's daughter. No, dumbass. No, because he says she no, married you. He didn't say, is it because she married me over you? Yeah, that's totally the, yes. They're the, like the same age too. I don't know. I, I didn't know at first. I was confused because we have zero context. No, I think it was some kind of love triangle. All right. Well, it was. We know that. We learned that. Spoiler alert. Mm. At the Ingalls house, Laura and Mary come home and Caroline is ironing. Jen, when's the last time you ironed something? Uh... I have ironed things in the last couple of years. Yeah. How many things? Like a handful. I have a couple shirts that I would have to iron because they'd get all weird. Hmm. Just hmm. like the edges of them. Like the, you know, like they were like. How about Graham? I have material iron. I have to iron. But let me tell you, in the last eight months, I haven't ironed a damn thing. No, no. I haven't even had anything that I had to hang dry in the last eight months. Everything can go in the dryer now. Our grandmother ironed so much. First of all, she would wash all of her clothes on Saturday. She would hang them on the line, bring them all in, and iron them one by one, and then put them away. She used to iron her sheets. She used to iron her sheets. She did this in February. She would stand her frozen clothes around the kitchen and just frost them with the iron. That was so weird. One day, I go down, and she's ironing with the big rubber glove on. And I say, Graham, what's wrong? She's like, my iron is broken. It's burning my hand. So I put oh a glove on. God. Oh, my God. I immediately go to the store and get her a new iron. <sighs> I bring it down. She puts it under the sink and says, I'll use that when this one stops working completely. And wow. when she died, we cleaned out that iron. It was still, it was still under the sink. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, wow. people were just tougher then. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely more frugal. Oh my God. She was just, she was, she was like the Caroline Ingalls. Wow. She was tough. Okay. So I never iron that. I feel like that's a generational thing. I just don't iron. I mean, if you, certain things I have to iron, but it's super rare. But you don't iron all of your clothes. Oh God. No, 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 no. I only iron things that are super wrinkled because of what material they are. Exactly. Okay. No, I don't, I don't iron my jeans or like jeans. What are jeans? (laughs) Like I've worn jeans like eight months. (laughs) The girls grab jars to catch insects for their homework. They've been assigned by Miss Beetle to go out and collect bugs. Carrie opens her super annoying trash mouth and says, I want to go with you. Uh, Fucking little sisters. Caroline agrees, but Jen, who's not happy about it? Mary is pissed and I don't blame her. I'd be too. And let me tell you something. This triggered me. Because I, as a little sister, you are just a burden all the time to your big yeah, sister. Yeah. Like, because you just want to go, but you're a burden. Yep, that's right. And you're always made to feel that way. <laughs> Currently. Okay. Um, and as an older sister, you can never have any fun because your little sister always ruins it. Right, of course. Caroline walks into town and she runs into Miss Beetle. And I don't even know why this scene exists, but it exists. 
she's like, oh, my girls are so excited to go catch insects. So they're gone. And then Willie shows her the insect collection that he I love England. I love how Willie solved this. <laughs> like he solved the problem. Yep. He found like, what do you call that? Like almost like, like a, a taxidermist. Collection. Yeah, it's like a, a taxidermied butterflies. Yeah. And he's like, I got these. These came from my store. So they're mine. So I got them. Miss Beetle's like, no, not going to work. <laughs> Willie. I'll see you at school tomorrow. You have to get them yourself. And everyone's going far away to get these. And he looks on the back and he goes, these were made in England. So they're from England. So, so they're somebody from far, from far away. away. He's Dude, great. he's going places. He's great. <laughs> Willie's going to own this fucking town. <laughs> he's like, I'm done with this assignment. Yep. In a field somewhere, Laura and Mary are working hard catching bugs. Oh, God, give me the strength to get through this next part. <laughs> well, wait, I have a question, Aime. Can, okay. can you just give your kids some cheesecloth and wire and let them go wild? No. <laughs> I'll catch them on their iPhones, sitting in the clear. The butterfly nets will be on the ground next to them, and they'll be on their iPads or iPhones in the middle if, of the woods. If I got this cheesecloth, I'd be making fresh mozzarella with that yeah, cow. I'm sure you would be. I'm sure you would be. Laura and Mary come back to the clearing where they had left Carrie with as guardian of the jars. <laughs> that guess, was that was a mistake. Guess what she did, Jen? What did she, she fucking do? She let all the bugs loose and she was she was staring in a creepy way. Like she was at a grasshopper. And I'm like, Carrie is not okay. Like there's <laughs> something wrong with her. She's not okay. I wrote she's eating a bug and acting like a weirdo. Something's not right. She's in some kind of there's two people in this episode who are in some kind of trance. Yeah. She's one of them. Yep. All right. Mary is super Dude, pissed. Let me just tell you, if this was me, I would have been slapping you. There would have been violence. <laughs> she. I think Mary keeps her cool, considering what has just happened. <laughs> she does. Mary's super pissed, and they head off again to catch more bugs. Meanwhile. They head off again to redo their assignment all over again from the beginning. Let's be clear. Meanwhile, Carrie wanders off again and chases a butterfly right into, I wrote, a mine shaft, but they were calling it a well at first. And Jack is barking at her the whole, or he's barking at the butterfly first. I want to pause right here to tell you how I had to watch this episode. Oh God. <laughs> I have a dog, everybody, I have a dog named Nellie. Ironically. She has problems. She's not well. She's not. She's not okay. She thinks our TV is a window. And when she sees animals, dogs, babies, creatures, she goes bananas. And, like, she's a big dog. So, like, when she goes bananas, it's intense. So, whenever she hears the music for Little House on the Prairie, she now starts she, barking. She's triggered by the music? Yes. Wow. So, I, I have to put her in a separate room. So, when there's, like, a... Horse-centric or Jack-centric episode, I have to put her in a separate Oh, the bunny episodes had to be a nightmare. So I put her in the bedroom, but now, usually it's okay, because horses don't make any sounds. Right. But Jack was barking, so she was barking. So I had to mute every time Jack was on (laughs) and just read my closed captioning. (laughs) So that's, that's, you know, that's what I'm suffering through for you guys, just so you know. Is the other dog in the living room? Like, what is this dog's problem? Well, that's the issue. So the puppy doesn't really bark at anything. But last night, he started following her lead a little oh, bit. Oh, no. And I was like, no, no, nope. no, 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 no. Okay. So Jack actually acts like a dog. 
and he pulls a lassie and he barks, barks, pulls barks, runs and gets help. Timmy's stuck in the well. Yeah. He pulls a lassie. Yep. Meanwhile, in town, Caroline heads to see Paul at work to get a ride home. She tries to say hi to Hanson and he completely ignores her. And was he limping? He was I, limping. I don't know, but he just ignores her. Like, I could see if he was just like, oh, hey, what's up? And she was like, oh, he's moody. Like, that's how I would have written it. Like, what's our Hanson? He doesn't seem like himself. But he just walks right past her. It was super weird. Charles says, Wendell Loudy came by today. Nothing is ever going to change between those two. Really, Charles, why don't you elaborate? Because we have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Back at the field, Jack starts barking like crazy again. And Laura decides something isn't right because she's the empath. She's the smart one. She realizes something's happening. And Mary's like, Jack always acts like this. Like, he's an idiot. (laughs) They both head off to follow Jack. Okay. Cut back to Charles and Caroline heading home on the wagon. When what did they come across, Jen? That dude laying on the side of the road. <laughs> Remember a couple weeks ago I told you the story about me seeing a guy on the side of the road? Yes. Except my guy was like awake and waving to people. This guy's uh-huh. passed out. He's passed down the side of the road and he only had like a small fifth of alcohol. Like how did he pass out? If he that would like, pass me out. I would be passed he's, out for He's a seasoned alcoholic, though. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So Charles pulls over the wagon and hops off. And he's trying to, like, wake the guy up. And the dude reveals that after the accident, we still don't know what kind of accident. I'm assuming fire, house I'm fire? I'm thinking some kind of fire or some shit. Jen, he started drinking, and Hanson... The string puller had his kids taken away from him. His kid that, taken away from him. That's why I think it's not his daughter. Well, that's when I was Hansen like, oh, wait, that would have been Hanson's granddaughter. Yeah, and he yeah. probably would have taken them. Charles tries to bring this dude home for supper because why not? Why not? Why not? You have three young daughters. Why not bring home a crazy drunk? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he doesn't seem crazy, but he's like, he's mean. He's yelling at Charles. He's mean. Like, I feel like, fuck you, dude. No. Yeah. All right, then in an unnatural turn of tone and mood, the dude says his own daughter is a grown woman now and has written to him and she's coming to see him. Like, he just flips on a dime. Yep, yeah, just, it's totally fine now. He can't have her seeing him like this. He needs a clean, he needs clean clothes and a job. And Charles says, it's no good looking, it's no use looking good on the outside and rotting away on the inside. Yeah, okay. Then he brings him home. And I wrote right here, prediction. This drifter is going to save Carrie. Charles going to give him an Oprah Dr. Phil makeover. That's what it sounded like when he said, you can't be. <laughs> I need no clothes. The outside and not the inside. Yep. Meanwhile, Mary and Laura see Carrie has fallen down the well and they run in a panic to get Paw. Well, Jack leads them to the well and barks at the well. He does. Jack does Jack, a good job, Jenny. Can you give him some compliments here? Jack goes into hero mode. <laughs> he does. Jack flew into hero mode when he yeah. like ran into the well. Speaking of hero mode, Laura comes across Ma, Pa, and the weirdo drifter on the main road. <laughs> and Pa tells her, get in and take them to the hole. And I wrote, da da dum, it's hero mode. In Charles, the wagon. Charles drives that wagon. In the wagon. With the same carelessness, we drove our parents' cars on dirt roads when we were 17 and 18. Oh. Like, you know when you used to go down dirt road in mom and dad's car? You didn't give a fuck. You drove 
40. <laughs> well, and I said that Laura gets in the back with, and she's got a stranger to chat up. She'll be happy. <laughs> and he like pulls her into the wagon. Oh, God. Anyway, zero caution. Charles is flying across like hilly terrain, rocks. Like he doesn't give a fuck if those people bounce out of the back of the wagon. Right. They just leave Jack on the roadside, by the way. Oh, that's right. He got he got screwed on a ride again. Yeah. He's like, I fucking helped you, assholes. Because <laughs> Jack no was with Laura. Known. They would have never known what happened if it wasn't for Jack. No, never. They would have not even known what happened to her. They probably would have been searching the woods. Jack is a fucking hero. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this stranger's like, I didn't sign up for this shit. I'm a drunk. Now you're bouncing me all over the place, taking me to save your kid. Okay. At the hole, they scream for Carrie. And suddenly this kid, who was semi-articulate before, can barely utter, Mama! Mama! She's she's two and a half years old again. Like, suddenly she's eight months old. (laughs) Charles tells Loudy to lower him down. And you expect us to believe that he lowers Charles completely down. I know. You know how hard that would be? Do you know how hard that would be? All right. Anyway, Charles can't reach. He comes back up and runs to grab a shovel. Loudy chases him and tells him, look, I'm an engineer, dude. Digging won't help because Carrie will get buried. And then Loudy time travels to 1986, watches the team of engineers save baby Jessica, then goes back to Walnut Grove (laughs) with the exact same plan because that is how they save her. They're going to baby Jessica this shit. Yep. They set the same plan. They dug a hole six feet away. Then they're going to go under her and dig over. So Loudy happens to be an engineer, knows his shit. He sends Charles into town for supplies. Oh, wait, Jen, and a bottle of hooch. Okay, so I felt I was like, he probably, to be fair, if he's a raging alcoholic, he probably just needs it to not go into withdrawal symptoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to even out. Right. In town... Charles Bestie Edwards is at Olson's. That's convenient because that's where Charles goes. Nels gives Charles all of the supplies he needs. <laughs> and Mr. Edwards must be like, I have to save your fucking kid again. Again. Like, another kid. My kids, I have three of them. They're they fine. They're sitting in a tree reading poetry. Like I have to give to Edwards here. He is ride or die. They had to save. Oh, God, what's his name? Carl. It's the return <laughs> of Carl, da, da, Carl Jr. <laughs> that, they had to save him once. They only had to save him, though, because he was with the Ingles. Yeah. <laughs> Nels then tells Willie to go ring the alarm bell. I was so excited by all this. There's an emergency bell. There's an emergency procedure. No, Jen, it's the school bell. I'm impressed, though. They have a procedure, apparently. Yes. It's like a volunteer fire company. I guess. So they gather up a bunch of men. And when they all go to the site, they start digging. Loudy's going all type A on this. And Grace comes along to comfort the women folk, which I thought was nice. Carolyn's having a fucking breakdown. But let me say, I have an index card. (laughs) On what? So I want to paint a picture of how horrifying this experience can be just so that you get an idea of why Carolyn's freaking out so bad. Oh, are you going to tell me about kids dying in wells? No, no. This person survived and they're a male, female. I mean, they're a grown male, 60 years old. 
But this just happened in Arizona. And let me tell you the harrowing experience that this man had. So in October of 2018, an Arizona man, John Waldel, had to be rescued after he fell down a 100-foot mine shaft while he was searching for gold. Oh, boy. Reverend Alden would have a lot to say about that. <laughs> he he would shame him immediately. Yeah. So he was on rigging to actually, like, like lower into the mine. Yeah. And the rigging device broke. And so he was down 50 feet. The device breaks. He drops another 50 feet in a free fall. 50 feet's high. That's a lot. So he drops another 50 feet, break, and he, he hears his leg break. Oh. On his way down, he was trying to slow his fall by grabbing onto the rope, and the, he ripped all the skin off his hands. Because he's because he's falling so fast. So wait, do we need any other kind of trigger warnings here besides ooziness <laughs> and goriness? So his leg is broken, the skin's off his hands, and he uh, he had to make a splint out of a stick to like straight like to support his leg because he started bleeding and stuff. Crazy. So while he's trying to figure out how he's going to get out of here, and like this is a dude that like does these types of things, like he's an outdoorsy person. So this, and he's having a, you know he's struggling with this so he's trying to figure out what to do he sees a rattlesnake slither down the side of the well or the side of the mine and had to beat it to death with a stick let me repeat that he beat a snake to death with a stick a rattlesnake a rattlesnake's impressive like in all fairness i beat a snake to death with a broom in my uh laundry room once what was it though it was like a little black snake yeah yeah. A rattlesnake is fierce. And I feel bad that I did it. I was just in full-blown panic mode. <laughs> well, you probably beat a snake that wouldn't bite you and was not poisonous. No, I should have just picked him up and took him outside. I'm right. sorry, snake. This guy doesn't have this option. So this is he's in survival mode. So he's beating the, the snake to death with a stick. Over the next two days, because he's stuck in there for two days, as he becomes increasingly dehydrated and starts to hallucinate, He's faced with two more rattlesnakes and has to kill them with a stick. Jesus Christ. He said he's going to go back there, though, with someone else because he saw gold while he was down there. At what point are you just like, take me, just take me. He's arrived. Let he's, the rattlesnakes take me. He's got a good story now, but could you Oof. imagine? I, so this is what could be happening in Carolyn's mind as she loses her shit. Well, Carrie this. almost ate a bug. So I don't know if she would know what to do if a rattlesnake came at her. She'd probably hug it. She's a kid. She'd get bit by it. There's no question. Okay. They lower a pipe, Jenny, down to talk to Carrie. But Caroline is in some weird haze and doesn't respond to anything. Well, that's not why they lower the pipe down. They lower the pipe down to put to air. give her air. Yeah. But, like, ten people are like, Caroline, Caroline, Caroline. Like, I get it. But you don't need that long shot of her for, like, seven minutes. I'm not buying what they're doing with Carolyn's character here. She would not break down like this. No, she wouldn't. She, would no, she wouldn't. I don't believe it. She'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Finally, she snaps out of it, and she makes contact with Carrie. Like, she hears her crying or something. Which, again, same thing with baby Jessica. Like, this is so weird. It's so weird because this was before baby Jessica. Yes. This was 1977. Yes. Oh, the best year ever. Oh, God. Hanson and Doc Baker show up, Jen. Yep. Are you happy to see your boy, Doc yeah, thank Baker? God. Thank God Doc Baker's there. So- Someone's in crisis, and he's just rolling around to the site. <laughs> like, they could have pulled her up an hour ago. Where would? Where was he? <laughs> God. There's some tension between, 
Loudy and Hanson, Drifter and Hanson. Hanson takes over. He just I know. takes over. Because Loudy was running this job site. Like he, he was. was a good job. He was. So Hanson just takes over and Loudy just walks away to go drink. And I wrote, he just leaves the job site? Yeah, Hanson took his his post. I guess so. All right. It's now night and we have the return of Carl's Jr. <laughs> of Carl's Jr. <laughs> I've just embraced it now and I call him <laughs> Carl's Jr. Mary and Carl's Jr. are sitting around feeling guilty. Another scene of Mary and Carl's Jr. feeling guilty and t- trying know. to decide who's to blame. They should not be friends because they uh-huh. just go through this guilt spiral together. Yep. And I, I just have Mary, this is your fault. As the older sister, you're in charge by default. So it's always your fault. Yeah, I agree. Even if Laura did it, technically you were in charge of this group. I agree. The team is tired, Jen. The men are getting weary. They haven't heard Carrie's voice in over two hours. Caroline, mid breakdown. Like like I don't I just don't buy this. This is so bad. This is not written in in accordance with her character at all. Charles Pulls her over. He's like, come here with me. Let's go sit down. And who shows up, Jen? Public enemy number one. Oh, Rev Rev Alden. Mm -hmm. Reverend Alden. And she starts, like, being hysterical at him. And it looked like they were going to embrace and kiss for a minute. It was really (laughs) weird. It was weird. Then Caroline runs into Miss Beetle and pulls a Harriet. Starts freaking out on Miss Beetle. This well, is she starts yelling at she yeah she starts yelling at Miss Beetle. It's her fault for signing this. I'm like she didn't sign this to Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't tell you to let your kid your yeah. little kid go. So then Caroline does come back around to blaming herself. You know what I mean? Like oh I shouldn't let her go. And then I wrote we haven't seen Caroline this sweaty since she almost cut off her leg. Well, and I have to say that I just put I just wrote down that teachers take all the shit even then. Even then, they take all the shit all the time. You don't have to get me going on my passionate defense of teachers. Although this teacher defends bees. So I don't know if I can (laughs) defend her. I also wrote down, thank God we have bulldozers and backhoes. A, 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 A sentence I never thought I would say. And I would like to say, once again, Reverend Alden, useless. Good job, dude. Good job. Great job there. Mm -hmm. Suddenly in the background, we hear Doc Baker's voice. And he screams, I've broken through. You know Jenny? what else we keep hearing in the background, though? What? <laughs> we keep hearing Hanson yell, I need two fresh men in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to let that lie. That's kind of funny. Jenny, of all the men in Walnut Grove, here is a list of people I would choose before Doc Baker to get in a hole and dig my child to safety. Paul Ingalls, sober Mr. Edwards, drunk Mr. Edwards, Nels, Hanson, the drifter drunk, Willie, Dumbledore the blacksmith, Caroline, who's stronger than any man there, the Ben Franklin wannabe, Carl's Jr., John Jr., Johnny Cash the criminal, Johnny Johnson with or without shoes, Sprig. Dickhead neighbor with the cow, Jack, and even Reverend Alden. Then, if all those men were unavailable, I might put Doc Baker in that hole. Well, the thing is, he's the only doctor in town. You cannot have anything happen to him. He should not be in that hole. He should be sitting up there waiting in case someone gets hurt. 
Do That's you, his job. Do you think anyone in town can't pick up the slack of diagnosing That's a broken true. leg That's true. by looking at it? <laughs> anyone can do that. Carolyn's better qualified. Right. Caroline just reads the Bible to understand what to do with medical procedures. <laughs> How could that go wrong? How could that go wrong? Old Testament only. Doc Baker can't find anything. It's dark down here. Get him out of the hole, Hanson. Get him out of the hole. Put two fresh men down the hole, not Doc Baker. <laughs> He's screaming for more rope, another lantern, and he says Carrie must have slipped further down. Everyone is sweating and panting. And Carolyn looks at Charles with this look of fix this. She does. She really does. Oh, and I'm not going to lie. His response look hot. <laughs> okay. Because his response look was like, I'm on it. <laughs> All right. So we have this long silence and then Caroline gets up and walks over to the air pumper. What is that thing called? We used to have one for the fire. A bellows. It's a bellows. Bellows. It's because moms don't quit. Right. She stood moms and that quit. set the tone. Everybody's like, you're right. We're getting back up. We're doing this shit. So she's not giving up. So Hanson then whips the men back into shape. Let's go. Tone shift. With this tone shift, we see Loudy again. Now he's reading the letter from his daughter. And he decides, Jen, back on the wagon, throwing away his booze. Yep. He's not drinking anymore. So when he does, he spots a piece of coal. Oh, thank God we have all these floodlights. Yeah, yeah thank God. He realizes then that Carrie is in a mine shaft. And he tries to tell Hanson to stop digging. And Hanson's like, nope, you're just drunk. I could smell it on you. And he's like begging Hanson, like, you're going to get this little girl killed. You right. And maybe dig. some other people. Yeah. Hanson's like, nope, doing it. And he also says, if it's a mine, it's a it's a vent for a mine. So it's where air comes out of the mine. That means there's an entrance to this mine somewhere. Right. Yep. So Carl's Jr. speaks up and says he knows there's a mine nearby. What was he doing in the mine, Jen? Lighting off? God knows. He is always up to trouble. <laughs> God. He leads the men off to find it. Meanwhile, Hansen continues the dangerous operation that he was just told might kill a four-year-old. Well, I said Nels is going to be out of stock for a decade. I know they have tons of shit out there. God. And he just gave it all to Charles for nothing. Yeah. So switch to Edwards, Charles, Drifter, and Carl's Jr. walking into a mine. <laughs> the lighting is so bad I can't tell. Like they they you just can't see anything. You see well, that that's accurate. Right. You see them coming across the screen with lanterns. It's actually yeah. kind of a cool It actually shot. makes more sense than the floodlights that are around the yes. job site. Yes. So they find the mine and Loudy tells them he's paced off twelve hundred yards. He's all given directions and measurements. How does he fucking know anything? He's an engineer. How does he know? First of all, what is there, three feet in a yard? Yeah. So not only is he counting his feet, but now he's like multiplying that by three. Like, what I are mean, you doing, multiplying dude? by three is not hard. It's very hard. It's very so difficult. They're 2,000 yards away. It's just over a mile. Jenny, did you notice that the mine was impeccable? Like, yeah. It was super clean. Yeah. Yeah, super weird. This is a boarded up mine that's been there for decades. Yep. Because when they were talking about finding the mine, like Hanson's like, there's no mines in Walnut Grove. Hanson's been there like 30 years or 40, Hansen, 50 years. Yeah, he was like cracked. His egg was cracked in the soil of Walnut Grove. He's been there forever. So it had to be before him. Like it had to be early 
early 1800s. Yeah. Um, here's something. Jenny and I come from a town that is huge with coal. Mm-hmm. Coal mining. And they actually call it Scranton, Pennsylvania, the city built on toothpicks. Yeah. Remember so, there'd always be mine cave-ins when we were growing always. up? Always. It was crazy. Sinkholes yeah. would open up all the time. I Super would, weird. I would be driving with Graham and she'd be like pointing. That's where the mine entrance was. This is where the other mine. Could you imagine working in a mine? No. No. That was tough work. Guys, if you work in a mine, we salute Damn. you. <laughs> tough work. We salute you. Okay. Um, they get to the air shaft and find one of Carrie's shoes. So they know it's the right one. Yep, because it would be weird if there was a shoe there for another reason. And meanwhile, there's a ton of dirt falling down on them because Hanson's digging. Yep. And meanwhile, there's a ton of dirt coming on coming down on them because, Jen, Hanson's a fucking boss and he won't listen to anybody. <laughs> so back at the site. Meanwhile, back at the site, there's a collapse. There's a collapse. Yeah. And not only does Hanson almost kill Carrie and Charles and everybody and in there. He almost killed Doc Baker. He almost killed Doc Baker. And then Doc Baker comes up and he's like, it just all collapsed. It's it's no use. Wow. You're an inspiring doctor. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. So imagine this. Caroline has no idea that the men took off for the coal mine. Yeah. She was not privy to that conversation. You know, Hanson didn't run back and say, they're going to go look for a mine because they think she's in an air mine. They couldn't tell Hanson this. Right. So... They just left. And Caroline hears a mind collapse. Yeah. And her doctor comes up and says, No use. I guess the kid's dead. No use. She's gone. They're all dead. Caroline is like, she just can't even think straight. And then I wrote later when she's sleeping, because she appears to be sleeping. She's just collapsed. She's like laying down, like giving, like, this is so not her character. This is so out of character. Jenny, she was stronger when she actually lost a child. Yeah. She was tough as nails through the Charles Jr. incident. I know. That's why this doesn't make any sense at all. Ergus Borgnine on the mountain. I'd put him down the mine before (laughs) Doc Baker. Jonathan. Yes, Jonathan. But I have a question for you, Jenny. Mm. Carrie's how many feet down? We think they said she fell another 30. They, they said about 60, we think, by now. Okay. Loudy estimated that the air shaft was how many feet? 100, I thought he said. Mm, but it wasn't because Charles know. was able to reach up and yeah, grab they her. Didn't know. They didn't know. They could be up to that. They could be up to 100 feet deep. Question. Mm. Why didn't Charles yell up? I don't know. Like, to assure everyone, I got her. Oh, you wouldn't have heard him. There's no way. They were you hearing barely Carrie. hear her, but they had that pipe. That's why they could hear her. Because okay. they had the little, like, because they're amplifying the sound through the pipe. There's, They wouldn't have heard him. Put this on the list of feats to be accomplished. I will yell and make my voice carry over 100 yards. That's different. 100 feet. Different acoustics. You got to do it through dirt, basically. We can, we can replicate this. We're going to dig a 60... 60- a 60 foot mm-hmm, hole in your mm-hmm. yard we're gonna okay. replicate this <laughs> all right tell timmy we're gonna dig a 60 foot hole in his yard See what you think i'm about. gonna tell timmy passively dig a 60 foot <laughs> hole <laughs> okay so caroline is 
I don't know, sleeping, passed out. I don't know. And Charles emerges from the darkness. The scene was so ridiculous. With Carrie in tow. And now his hero squad. He has like a little mini hero he squad. He have a little squad behind him. And Carl's Jr.'s in it now. I feel like he has a hero mentor. The dude. The, oh, the yeah. The dude yeah. did all this. The Charles dude did all this. this. Yes. So I wrote, at the end of the day, Jenny, of course, Charles has to save this motherfucker. Right. And it's this big dramatic thing. Now Hanson has to walk over to Laudy and apologize because, I don't know, this forgives 20 years of bad blood? No, because Hanson would have killed everyone. Oh, that's and Laudy saved everyone. He also admits Laudy was right. It was because she married him. And when they're standing there next to each other, you can tell that Laudy was like the more attractive strapping oh, man. yeah. And that, you know that's what it's about. Like Hanson's yep. just jealous. Hanson's like kind of short compared to this dude. And He's like short and angry. Yeah. And like, uh, I guess around that time he wasn't as successful like he is now. Right. Like now, I mean, he could just click his fingers and the babes are brought to him. Uh, he loved her, Jen. They both did. And then Hanson offers him a job and he accepts. What a mess. And I wrote the end. This is not my why, but I wrote, this is why you never fuck with Lars Hansen. People will die. Because <laughs> he's stupid was why People they were going to die. die. <laughs> he's going to do shit his way and that's it. Okay. So it was quite dramatic. And I feel like it wasn't accurate that Carrie was completely unscathed. Like she would have something broken or like something. She took quite a fall. Yeah. Yeah. Did we see Doc Baker examine her? I mean, he didn't maybe. Even, no, he didn't even come over. He's <laughs> like, oh, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to go out of town. <laughs> That's because he can just diagnose her looking at her 20 feet away. Oh, she's got broken arm. She might have a slightly cracked rib. She'll be all right. It's healing up nice. <laughs> or he'll be, he'll pull in Edwards and just be like, I don't know. We'll see if she wakes up tomorrow. <laughs> what happens. Uh, full disclosure, I did that with the cat. Or with the dog. What happened to the dog? Our puppy got into um, Samantha's room and ate one of her ant traps. Oh, shit. And I was angry. It was like those little raid ones. Oh, no. And I was kind of angry at Samantha. So I just kind of said to her, well, we'll see if the dog wakes up tomorrow. <laughs> no pressure. Have a good night's sleep. It's like we're always on them about keeping their doors shut. You know what yeah. I mean? She left her door open. The dog got in there. He got the ant trap. So we just had a C. And guess what? He did wake up and he was okay. Because I secretly did Google it. Make sure I didn't have to take him to the bed. <laughs> okay. So, Jenny, whose fault is this? So, I want to say it's Carrie's fault for being four. But you can't blame a four-year-old for this. Mm-mm. So, I'm going to say it's it's whoever closed that mine. Ooh. Like, Whoever closed up and boarded up that mine, whoever was responsible for that, whatever mining company, it is they are liable for this because that oh. shit was not covered. They should have like made that a better. I'm blaming Carrie. She's an asshole. <laughs> Carrie's I didn't an asshole. Blame a four year old for this. I'm blaming Carrie. She's an asshole. She didn't listen to her sister's directive, which was to just sit there, yeah, and look at the jars. If she had not let the bugs out of the jar, they would have went home then. Everything well, why would have been fine. You could say it was Carolyn's fault for letting her go. No, I'm looking at the direct action. Oh, okay. So you're not looking at the like flap of the butterfly wing. <laughs> the reason they had to. <gasps> they showed a butterfly at the beginning of this. <laughs> butterfly effect. 
The reason they had to leave her alone the second time was because she ruined everything. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was that butterfly's fault. That was flying around that she was chasing. Maybe that butterfly is like the soul of Mrs. Sanderson or mine or something. That's flying around like it led her to the to the mine. Yeah, maybe Mrs. Sanderson doesn't want oh, oh my to God. the mine. It's mine. Let her to the mine and kill her. Because let's face it, there's only one for room for one cute four year old in this town. And it's Alicia. So let me get this straight. You think that a butterfly was inhabited by a <laughs> Wait, wait, back up, back up. Not I think. We came to this together. All right, so we think that one one possible explanation for what happened is Alicia's dog mine, who died a couple episodes ago, the soul of that dog inherit it inhabited a butterfly that then led Carrie over to a mine shaft. <laughs> That's where you get the clue. <laughs> to kill her because she's competition for Alicia. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good, right? I mean, West Is this thing on? Is this on? not right this episode. <laughs> wow. I did not, not expect that. I did not expect that. <laughs> That's where we're at. That's where yeah. we're at. I think it's a perfectly plausible explanation. <laughs> Why not? Okay. <laughs> So at the end of every episode, Jenny and I will look back at the episode and think about a theme or a trauma or a lesson we took from the original material. Either the first time we saw it or maybe on the rewatch, we call it our why it's designed to finish the statement, Gen X, this is why. Jenny, what is your why of this episode? So this is why you never, ever, 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 ever take your little sister anywhere with you. They always ruin everything. Oh, well, you're not wrong. You're this not- was a perfectly nice trip to Willow Lake, and I think some of that stuff in the begin, like in the beginning, where Carolyn's talking to Miss Beetle for no reason, and stuff, it feels like it's a good day, and people are mm-hmm. having fun, and like everything's okay. They always do that before a disaster. Mm-hmm. They kind of make like they over dramatize how happy everyone is, and then it's like disaster. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to tell you something. I empathized with Mary here. Whoa. I know. And I am the eternal little sister. Like, I will always defend little sisters. But I kind of felt for the big sister because let me tell you something. That's what it's like to be a mother. Oh, You're yeah. You're constantly yeah. responsible for this thing's safety. No wonder why I didn't want to be a mother. <gasps> I wonder if there's some <laughs> kind of psychological... I'm sure there's a, a study I'm sure on the ratio of people not choosing not to have children in relation to birth order. But I think it probably goes both ways, right? It I probably think, does, yeah. Like if you, because I know a lot of older sisters who raised their siblings practically, or did raise their siblings like that, and they want a family because they're used to that, like that's their thing. Yeah, nuts. I don't know, but I did feel like I felt like I would have. I don't know. I can't explain. It. Like I never felt that as a younger sister. That you had a, that you were responsible for my safety. Never. No. Never. No, when we were watching Runaway Caboose. You're like, why didn't Mary jump off? I'm like, she's not going to leave Laura on the train. Because you think that way. You're not, you can't just, yeah. it's like, it is like being a parent. You can't just like be like, later, good luck. But do you <laughs> feel like color. siblings take that on themselves or did mom and dad put that on you? 
I feel like mom and dad put that in. They would always be like, keep an eye on your sister, keep an eye on your sister. Like just for little things, you know, like if they walked away or, you know, whatever. They were always saying that. Always. Mm, That must have sucked. Yeah, it did. Yep. And then you wonder why big sisters are so resentful and hateful. <laughs> well, I will say there's a lot of suckiness with being a younger sister because you always feel like a burden. <laughs> like, oh, I can remember you would physically, like, you would actually say to people, I had to take her with me. And then when I started to drive, I like the whole deal was like, I had to drive you places. Oh, like, you made was- me pay you. <laughs> <laughs> I had to like take you. I, I was probably you were probably like amazed at how long gas lasted and how cheap it was when yeah, you started. Right. Like, yeah, put it in your own car. Yeah. Okay, my why is this is why I hate bugs. Period. End of story. They're responsible for everything. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. it. That's it. You hate bugs. Okay. <laughs> I hate bugs. Look at the trouble they've caused. That's true. This was all bug related. <laughs> We don't need that butterfly. We don't need the soul of mine. <laughs> we don't. I, I had nothing else for this. I will say I was close to writing my why about being a big sister. Like how I felt bad for Mary. Yeah. Because all the pressure's on her. Yeah. Like, could you imagine the guilt? Okay, you're Mary. Like, you were my bigger sister. Not much really happened to me. No. Imagine if you're Mary. You've had your sister on a runaway caboose. Your Mary. other sister fell down a mine shaft before. Like Mary's failing at this. Like this shit's a mess. Nellie is bullying the fuck out of her. We know Carrie gets sucked away in a hot air balloon later. Yeah. Like yeah. Mary. Yeah. She she doesn't have control of the situation at all. At all. I kind of feel bad for her. <laughs> okay. So Jenny, why don't you tell everyone what's coming up next? So the next, um, I think we're going to do this one. I'm just going to make a decision because I remember. Do this we one need to put a poll somewhere? No, it's just the next one. We're going to end up doing this whole season. So um, the next one is the monster of Walnut Grove. So on Halloween night, Laura and Mary get permission from their parents to walk into town and pull off a little prank at the mercantile. Laura's imagination runs wild when she peeks in the Olsen's window and witnesses Nell's committing an unspeakable crime. Scarred by what she has seen, Laura can't get anyone to believe her. I remember this. I saw it. Do you remember this? Yes, yes. <laughs> I remember one. this one pretty vividly. All right, guys. So make sure you check out our blockbusters and all of our other Little House episodes. You can find Jenny and me on Facebook, Instagram. And I need to make an appeal, Jenny. What? Please, if you enjoy what you're hearing, leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. That helps us rise up in the search results. That's right. And very good. That's what we want. Right, Jenny? Did I I figure that out properly? Don't ask me to multiply by three. (laughs) So if you have a few minutes, just scoot over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. You can even say, like, Amy is awesome. Amy is better than Jenny. We love Amy. Amy fan club. She needs it. She already has one fan club. That's not enough. (laughs) Anything... Anything you want to say, uh, the five stars, like I said, helps um, helps us find new viewers and helps viewers find us. So it's a win-win for everybody, right, Jen? Like that literally happened. Like yes. Amy joined and said they yeah. found us on Apple iTunes. So if you could do that, we would really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you soon. 
Hi everyone, thanks for listening. If you enjoy what you hear, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple iTunes. Every review helps new listeners find us and helps us find new listeners. You can connect with Jenny and me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at GenXThisIsWhy. Letter X, spell out the Y. We also have a Facebook group called the Mimi Bees, M-E-M-E-B. The link is on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.